Do you live your life rock boat to rock boat? If so, then welcome aboard the Boatcast, the podcast for rock boaters by rock boaters. Ladies and gentlemen, from Sister Hazel, please welcome Jeb Barris. Hey, What's up, guys? Happy holidays, man. This is our holiday yeah. special. And nice. uh, we couldn't oh. think of a better guy to be bringing on to, to celebrate 2023 here. I did not realize that I would have worn, worn some festive holiday gear. <laughs> Chris Chris has his hoodie on. I got my Grizzle. Oh, yeah, it's cousin I, Eddie's. I, Sorry. Um, I too am underdressed. Uh, I, <laughs> I have literally. My, I have my lamenting Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we are. You know, not, you we know, are recording this right after Florida State got snubbed. How are you feeling about that? Now? I'll talk about that in a second. First, I want to <laughs> say. It's a reason why it's black. I'm going to have black Florida gear because I'm in mourning for the, until the next season. There's always next season. Um, all right. So there's no secret that there is a, a loathing between the teams. Right. And yeah. we're, we're, um, we, we don't, uh, we don't love the Florida state football team. Uh, it's a absolute rivalry. You know, we're all Gators. Uh, but I have a lot of friends there. My mom went there. Ken's son goes there, Trader, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but Tallahassee was where Sister Hazel broke. Our first oh. number one was from the Tallahassee radio station, and our first big, like, sold-out shows um, on the college circuit was Tallahassee. So we love Tallahassee. We just have to hate each other one day a year. <laughs> so, so I reached out to a lot of my close Florida State buddies um, over the last two days, and I I really think it's unfair. In all honesty, that's it's tough for me to even get those words out of my mouth. <laughs> but I think it's totally unfair. I feel like they're judging the team uh, based on like one guy. Yeah. And you know, exactly he's, what he's, they're doing. he's an amazing athlete. But that team, they played their butts off. They beat Louisville with um, with their third string quarterback. So it's about way more than any one guy. That's a team. And they played hard and uh, all season. And they deserve a shot. Um, I think it would have been a lot easier if the Gators actually closed the deal in the fourth quarter. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I for me the whole kind of the whole weekend worked out because I'm a huge Alabama fan. So <laughs> it all kind of worked out. It all kind of just can't stand um, that team. Have you always been an Alabama fan? As long as I can remember picking a college team um, okay. and. Uh, yeah, and then like seeing the movie for this is so. This is so I was crappy. gonna say that you just love Forrest Gump. I I have and I have I have his jersey, the Alabama Gump jersey that I wear for the games, and uh, nice. it's it's uh, I couldn't tell you a single player on the team, but I can tell you who the coach is, and that's I'm good with that. Well, Saban <laughs> is is a guy to be respected for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're I don't think it's a secret. Sister Hazel's all really hardcore. Uh, SEC Florida fans yeah. um, and uh, NCAA football fans. So um, I did. I didn't mind seeing Georgia lose. <laughs> that was yeah. That was awesome. That was a good time. Yeah. 
Jet, so you know, this is our holiday special, and I know it, this is this is a special episode because it's like the culminating point of our of our podcast season each year. And you know, the holidays are obviously special, but not. And what what's your favorite go to holiday song outside of what Hazel has has produced? Oh, I was just gonna say it was definitely just all the Hazel stuff. <laughs> I mean, we will get into Santa's playlist shortly. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, I definitely have a clear cut uh, holiday favorite. It's uh, U2's version of um, um, "Christmas, the snow's coming down." What's uh, nice? The name's escaping me right now. Give us happy Please come home for Christmas. You too. Yeah. That's the number one. Nice. Now, can you rewind and take us back to young jet? I know you're only like 23 years old right now. <laughs> um, so young jet and how did music enter your life? Did you have any inspirations Did anybody influence you as, as a young child? <clears throat> well, um, what's interesting about that is I didn't have any musicians in my family. Most people that, that are, professional musicians, it seems like had at least a parent that they, you know, that was a singer or a player or something like that. I didn't have that. And as far as I know, uh, my mom is from a nine person family. Not one of them played an instrument. Wow. I don't know my grandparents. Um, I don't think played anything. So it, it was very new, um, for my family. My, my mother lo- had a, had a love for music. And when I was growing up, she had I just had her record collection. So I just kind of played these old, that's why I got kind of into Broadway musicals and stuff like that. And basically I was kind of at the, at the, um, just at the, uh, just having her collection as, as my only first source when I was really young. Uh, and I didn't really know anyone until about seventh grade, a couple of my friends started playing in a band and that same year, I did seventh grade. I did the talent show. I played David Lee Roth in the 1984 jump, and we won the talent show. And so I was, awesome. that was the book. If, that was, if anyone has videos, send them our way. <laughs> there is a picture somewhere. I have to find it. But of me doing a, you know what a Russian is? Like the split? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I did a Russian off the front of the stage. It was awesome. <laughs> yes. I, well, I, I think this played... might be happening on the next boat. I don't know. <laughs> well, I did just stage dive for the first time in the band at the Hazel. Oh, the, the Killers Street. cover? That was yeah. amazing. Saw yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so anything can happen. But uh, I'm 52 now. The things don't heal as quickly as they used to. <laughs> uh, but that was the, that was the bug. And... The the following summer, when school was over, my friends had this little like uh, treehouse, and they had a band in the treehouse, and they didn't like their bass player. And I would just go over and just be in awe of them playing music. I had never hadn't been around it at all. So this is the summer before eighth grade, and one day the the bass player didn't show up, and the guy ran home and he got his bass and taught me ain't talking about love, which is just basically riding the a and um and i did it until i got it and i kind of picked it up quick because i had piano lessons so i had a foundation in music um just but it was torturous <laughs> i 
I couldn't stand it. But when it came to doing something I loved, it translated. So at years, uh, like three years of piano lessons under my belt, which gave me the, the jumping point and basic theory that I hated, but I was so thankful that I had it when the time came. And, um, and I went to, uh, I went home and I called my dad and I said, Hey dad, I got, I, I, uh, would love a bass guitar. And he's like, what is that? And I go, I don't know. I think it's just got four strings. And <laughs> I knew nothing. And, uh, by the end of that year, they kicked the guy out and I was in my first band. Do you, do you remember the name of the first band? Uh, it became detour. I can't remember what it was at the time, but my drummer's name was Glenn detour. And by the end of the, uh, year we were detour. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Look at that. That wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. You remember this? One? Oh yeah. <laughs> Didn't oh that? yeah. I yep. love that design. Yeah. That was pretty. Yeah. And then when, uh, what's your name came out on the, in the space suit. Full, full suit. He did not want to do that. Jen. <laughs> I, I made her do it. And she, I think she didn't talk to me for the rest of the year. <laughs> at least you, you found a helmet that could fit her hat inside though that's right. awesome <laughs> when did you first meet ken and drew and and, and those guys and and can you talk us sure. t take us through about the the genesis of you coming into hazel and and that formulating yeah so um we were in gainesville <clears throat> i had already been in a band in town uh called water dog that I formed with Andy Levine and Anthony Diaz, who you guys yep. know, Sixth Man, you know, mm -hmm. know those names. And um, so was was in a band with those guys. Um, things went. I quit. We all, not all of us. I think I might have been the only one dumb enough to quit school at the time and uh, to try to make it in this band. We went to Nashville, made a record, had some good, good, uh, um, you know, momentum going with it and had a water dog house the whole thing we were we were going for it and uh things didn't work out and uh next thing i know i'm working construction at home um, but it turned out to be the best time in my life because i i went uh, i took account of who i was and who i wanted to be as a musician and so the lowest time in my life actually became one of the best times in retrospect um i started getting uh taking my instrument seriously taking my songwriting seriously taking my life seriously I came back to Gainesville. Uh, I was, people kind of knew me from being the lead singer and bass player and principal songwriter of Waterdog because we had some, we had some uh, notoriety around town, but Gainesville was a hotbed of music at the time, early nineties. I mean, there were tons of bands. So before I knew it, I was back in, I started architecture um, and uh, I was working two jobs and I was in four different bands. And I remember seeing Ken and Andrew wow. all right, playing, playing acoustically around town. Years before that, I had hired Ken. He was in a band called uh, Redline, a hard rock band. And for my fraternity, I hired Ken uh, to play our Headbangers Ball party, <laughs> which is one of, the, awesome. one of the bands this year on the boat. So you see, yeah. I... I have my bag of tricks and they just keep recirculating every 20 or 30 years. <laughs> so um, so I, that was my first run in with Ken, but I remember going around and despite there was so much talent in town. And I remember thinking if I could just get an awesome drummer um, and 
back these guys, we could do something just because their personality, I saw their personality and they're singing together. Uh, their voices made one, one great voice, you know, um, to me. And, uh, and there was just something, something that was very special about that. So, uh, not too long after that, I saw a flyer. It was one of those kinds with the little rip off the number at the bottom on a post. And it was Ken Block looking for energetic, positive, you know, this was during grunge. So it was kind of the opposite of what was going on. Yeah. And all the words on there just popped out at me. And I was like, I think that's the dude that I, you know, that's, that's Ken from Ken and Drew. And uh, at the time, Drew was like, not sure if he wanted to do the, the original thing. Um, but uh, I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, I'm playing a show uh, at this place called Balls, where I was actually the line cook. And that's how I got the gig. That's and we were awesome. playing in this little corner and they came up and watched me play. And then I went down and watched the two of them play. And uh, that was that was the beginning of it. Fast forward to Florida, Florida State weekend. We were tailgating and I'm sitting on the tailgate uh, with my son and we're just talking and looking up and across the street is the old balls. And in the corner is the corner. I said, see that corner right there? That's where Sister Hazel started. That's Whoa. where your dad was playing bass, and Ken and Drew came up and saw me play, and we went went uh, went from there. That That's corner awesome. needs a plaque to say <laughs> For this real. is where Sister Hazel started. Yeah, I know. Wow, awesome. That's a story. So you know, you had mentioned um, when you were taking music seriously. I'm interested. What's the first major piece of serious music equipment that that you had purchased? Um, yeah, cause the one that, that I didn't know any better. So my first one was a, I was a huge rush fan. Okay. Uh, and, um, so Getty Lee was in this phase where he was playing a, uh, Steinberger bass, those little square ones with no neck, totally mid eighties. They kind <laughs> of were in that one time zone and they're really cheesy. Now they sound really kind of cool cause they're all graphite. But so I got a copy of that, a Japanese copy called a Lotus. And it was the most uncool thing. And this, you know, all my buddies were playing, you know, with their, their fenders and their Gibsons. And I walk in with this little like Lotus bass, like what, what kind of band do you think you're <laughs> stepping into? Here? So pretty soon after that, I got serious, did some research and my first bass that was like real bass, real instrument. I'll never forget it. It was a uh, Fender P bass a white um it was like a white pearlized finish and i remember opening the case and there's this smell from a new new guitar new bass case if you've ever smelled it it's very distinct every every uh, guitarist will know this um and it it just stuck with me my whole life that that look that brand new thing and the smell oh it was just awesome such a good memory um and then that was my i had that that bass for for um gosh until i went to college yeah all through high when, school when you uh when you talk about you know rush and then the bass all i can remember is is that movie i love you man <laughs> slap at the bass <laughs> i'm sweet oh you mean the bass <laughs> what i love about that is when he goes you ready to get 
you know, blown away by this and he plays it through the, through the speakers. That's so through the, the, you know, the uh, computer speaker. That's so funny to me because that is how people hear music so many times. They're like, Hey, uh, listen to, listen to this, this song, check it out. Oh yeah. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. That's, that's a good. Song. That's not how it's intended. You got to put the full headphones on, right? Nice. The full sonic fidelity, but so many people hear it through ticky tacks or whatever you know <laughs> is my dog should i put him out in the garage or all know? good He's, all good okay i got a new puppy here that my daughter talked me into adopting recently and- oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so i think mark and you have something in common something about a handshake oh so uh as you were talking about your fraternity uh i went to wake forest i was a pike and my uh uh-huh. my roommate was uh Right next to me, we were at Ziggy's supporting y'all, and you during the show went out and did the handshake to to my roommate. Really? Yeah. And he <laughs> was like, "Oh my pike? god, what's that?" How did I know he was a Pike? He was wearing the hat. Oh, okay, cool. And then uh, on Valentine's Day, we brought all our dates out because you guys came another year, and my buddy decided it was a good idea to take his shirt off, throw it up on stage. Um, which he didn't really think that one through. His his yeah. date was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so I threw him the handshake. Yep. Nice. Hold on. I'm gonna throw something at my dog real quick. One, one second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello, though. I love my dog. It's not gonna. Hurt. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> my uh, my dog woke up last night at three a.m. And then again at 5.45. Yeah. No, you are good. I was just telling the guys my dog woke up at 3 a.m. And then 5.45 last night. And she's like three and a half. There's no excuse for that. Yeah, no. hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, your, your, your dog ends up more behaved than Mark's dog over there. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible dog. So if there are any listeners who are looking for a lovely Labradoodle for the holidays, <laughs> by all means. Actually, I'll, I'll I'll take a minute to also add, um, speaking of gifts, I got my wife, Jasmine Paper Company, the um, yearly yes. calendar just arrived today. Yeah. I meant to bring it, but forgot I was going to do an unboxing here, but definitely support Jasmine Copeland and Jasmine Paper Company. Check it out, everyone. Hey, can I just, speaking of that, say that you guys are just incredible with the amount of support that you show not only us not only the boat um all the artists on the boat i mean and like that you're talking about supporting one of our wives i see that always it's not just the music it's like all these other things and kudos to you guys man i mean it's really inspirational and it's really just it makes me very proud of our community um that we have that you guys really saw that and created something to, to bring light to that. I mean, it's just a, such a positive, amazing thing. You guys, congratulations. Thanks. That means a lot. appreciate that. Yeah. It's uh, you know uh, yeah, it takes, takes a village and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just, just, just a little love all the different stories and everybody's experiences and, and whatnot. And, and if you have platform, why not, you know, Absolutely. Somebody reached out to me the other day and was like, you need to be 
you need to be making money off all this. And I said, absolutely. I called Mark. I was like, ah, this is crazy. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, I, I got it. Like, but it was just like, it's not, you clearly aren't, you don't see it through our lens. And, um, but uh, it was just They're not wrong. They're not wrong. You should be making something for this, but. Yeah, no. Yeah. Maybe we could put our heads together, figure something out. You know, that would be, yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you had mentioned that you were sitting there with your son and you were telling him that, that story, what is it like, you know, looking back and looking at where you're at now with you and, and Hazel and to seeing the progress. And not only that, it's like, I often talk to artists about intergenerational music and how it transforms from family to family. And on almost every concert you guys play at every venue, there's a, a family of establishment of some sort. So like grandparent, grandkid, mom, son, etc. What's that like for you as a parent to now be able to influence your child when they decide to listen, I guess. Um, <laughs> that is key. <laughs> what, what's that experience been like for you? Well, first of all, um, the fact that we had, created music and a community and a show and a live experience that could um where parents could feel safe bringing their kids um and feel you know get what they were able to get and connect through our music on that i mean some of the favorite things that we've heard you know through our career has been this is something that my daughter and i you know connected through and we go through to, we've gone to, you know, how many shows together and, or this is what we do as a family for this every time you come through town and stuff like that. And, you know, we didn't really set out for, for any of that. We're not right. trying, trying to be a, you know, a Disney band or anything like that. It's just, right. you know, we, we write from the heart. We, um, you know, we write from experience and, and, um, but, we definitely realized that we do have a responsibility at some point to, um, you know, we're, we try to be honest, but there, we try to dust things with optimism as, as Ken says, and, and people look to our music sometimes for inspiration. Um, so all those things are important to us and, and to, to create a show that, that, like I said, where families can come and what we're getting now is you were my first concert. And now I'm here with my daughter. And ooh, so cool. That is so cool. cool. Very cool. It is very cool, but yeah, it does make us feel <laughs> a little older than we'd like because it's, it's just are, a number. One a way, number. mentally, we're still we're still that band jamming in a garage in college. You know, Not, nothing's changed but our but our bodies and our our uh, hairlines. <laughs> Yours is looking better than Ken's. Just saying. Well, he's just got really short hair. He's got a lot of it. But it's super short. It's really, really short. There it is. That's funny. So, oh, um, the second part of that question uh, with my son, I don't, I, my son just turned 18. He just got a bass for his birthday. Um, <laughs> I took him to a bass shop and I said, happy birthday. And he picked one out. Nice. It happens to be more expensive than any base I've ever bought for myself. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, he's an excellent musician, um, which you guys will hopefully 
be able to find out because he's coming yeah. on the boat mm-hmm. this year. Um, and uh, and he's a, he's a great kid, but and not he's a great kid, but he's a great kid. Um, being an 18 year old, he's fiercely independent. He's very much like me. So I think it, it pushes him even further into, um, wanting to do his own thing, be his own man. And so I, I don't get asked a lot of questions and I just, you know, I only volunteer stuff when I feel like it's going to, uh, sink in, but I didn't push him into any instrument. I thought I was going to do that with my kids. My dad was a professional baseball player and he really really pushed me hard in baseball and i just rebelled against it i mean i i ended up in retrospect i probably could have been a good baseball player but i went to basketball and then found out later that he coached basketball in college (laughs) (laughs) so i played that for a little bit then i was like what's another sport okay he's never played beach volleyball i'm gonna get try to get really good at beach volleyball (laughs) and then um but I, that was that was my experience, and then I got into music. Like I said, no one in my family had had ever done it, been a part of it, and stuff. So I could do it my own way. Well, I'm trying to respect that from him. He's doing it his own way, um, and uh, and he's he's his own guy. But but when I think he does see a lot. I've been taking my kids on the road, both of them, since they were little. We have these uh, father son and daddy daughter road trips. All of us nice. have at one time or another, and you know we've. We look at the summer calendar and we go, Hey, this is uh here's a run out, out in, on the West coast that you haven't seen before. Come on. And so they've seen it. They've seen the, the tour life. They've seen everything. They've Kai's been up there, you know, backstage learning how to change guitar strings back when he was learning how to tie his shoes. So it's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, uh, Mark, Mark had mentioned earlier um, about the, uh, Santa's playlist. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I know each of you brought in the songs you wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear the ones that you brought. Uh, so I brought in River. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Killer and rendition, including the little uh I wrote that transition over wow. I wrote, well, I didn't write White Christmas. Well, but I, right, right. I wrote the music to it. Yeah, to, love to, it. Yeah. And the and the melody, because it's a pretty different melody. So I took liberties with the melody. Mm-hmm. Let me really rewind on that. I didn't write that. <laughs> no, no. I, I know you I, were not Joni Mitchell. It. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So took river, took my favorite parts of river and then went into white Christmas quarterly and melodically. And then Ken sang it beautifully. And, um, I believe we got, um, we have the viol- There's a violin on that one, right? Fiddle violin on that, on that, track i can't remember if that's on there or is it ryan oh it's ryan doing the thing we, yep. we, brought, yep. the, we brought the violin uh fiddle on another one of mine which was um have yourself a merry christmas mm-hmm. so um which is that's my other favorite christmas song um and then i brought in one little christmas tree oh nice and we that was a stevie wonder song and we worked that up from the ground up i mean it's relatively complex to the point where we don't even try to tackle it. Like we just did our holiday shows in Chicago mm-hmm. and inevitably people request that one. And we're like, eh, I don't no. it's really hard, man. We're going to fall <laughs> flat on our faces. On <laughs> but um, yeah, that was kind of a, it, it's funny. It was, we had a couple month window and I, I remember coming to the guys going kind of, 
put really trying to push it through. And I, I, I remember it wasn't working out and I was like, let's just figure out places to do it. And at the time, Ryan had a really good studio. He probably did, did three quarters of his stuff in his home studio. Ryan and I worked in his home studio on other things, arrangements and stuff. We recorded it in probably four different places. We had strings and choirs in, in out in uh, Texas and we were recording in the back of uh, the performing arts center in Gainesville. It was like all kind of thrown all over, but listening to it every year, I think all of us are just really proud and happy of that record. So yeah, everybody picked, picked songs and the, the rule was just, you could write one, you could play one, you know, however you want, you can, you know, just be creative with it. So. Yeah. I was lucky yeah. enough to see you at BB Kings up in New York that, that year when you were oh, uh, putting yeah. that on with Pat McGee opening up for you. Yeah. Just incredible time. And was that for... specifically the Christmas run that we yeah. did? We were just doing that whole album. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I had not yet been on a rock boat at that point and met so many rock boaters and it just, it, it increased the, I got to get on that boat. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, the, 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 last thing on that record the last song um oh holy night that's one of the surprisingly despite the way we had to record all of that i mean when i put headphones on and listen to that song that's one of the biggest songs we've ever done i mean no it's, question it's epic i listen mm -hmm. back to it like i get goosebumps it's like that is yep. really good <laughs> so anyway yeah we love, love that it. record what you know i you're, obviously, your you know your all's music is is absolutely amazing. But I'm I'm always a big fan of hearing. Not obvious to me, Chris. It's not. It's not. <laughs> you could hear it one more time. <laughs> it's not obvious. A little louder. No. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the designs of the albums. Um, you know how does that how does that process work for for you guys? Well, um, you know we all have one of the things that makes Sister Hazel work. Why we've been a band for 30 years with the same five guys is um, we've learned to trust each other. Um, we've learned to respect the talents that we bring to the table and also be self-aware of, you know, where somebody else might be better at something than you are. And, you know, there are certain things that all of us, you know, come, come together on, obviously, you know, producing music, performing music, um, you know, getting behind certain things that we're on the same page on. But then there's all these other things that you have to do from, from in a, in a band, um, you're running a business, you're, you know, you're doing all these, uh, there, you're doing these events, you're doing that. Uh, you, somebody's got to be in charge of the graphics and the look, somebody has got to be looking after the merch. Somebody has got to be looking after this because what you realize early on is you can't just go, okay, I'm going to, have these guys do it there's quality control and some most of the time that's worked in our favor sometimes we keep our thumb a little too much on there but at least at the end of the day we can't go well oh man that's what it's because it's on us right you know we we ultimately have um the the final say and responsibility and even in you know in production in the studio and with a producer we you know we're we're very responsible for our sound and our songs at the end of the day we can't point fingers but when it's great we go hey good job guys um so in answer to your question um very early on we 
kind of discovered that I had a knack for that stuff. Um, everybody is very, very creative in different ways. I'm very visually creative, which for a band, you would think that that wouldn't be something that would work in there. Um, but yeah, most things visually, I have at least some sort of say on or have designed, um, starting with the very first album cover. Uh, I, I work, ex I'm sorry, the very first album cover is Sister Hazel, not someone White album. familiar. Yeah. And Tracy, Ken's wife, hand drew that. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yep. And, um, but ever since some were more familiar, like I took, I, I, Ken had a couple pictures and then I took photos and took the photo, the log, that's the thing and, and the slide and the, and did that. And it's so weird to me right now. And the way I, it's like, what were we, what were we going for there? I remember jumping out of the van and taking a picture of that road, that long road <laughs> that you, we were somewhere like outside of, of uh, Valdosta, Georgia or something. And I was into photography back then. Anyway, uh, I, that's my lane. Uh, everything visual from every record, that submarine, I designed that with the guy, the, the carpet. I can't believe we hadn't used that before. I'm like, Oh, that's mm -hmm. the tapestry carpet. That's, that's us, man. That's, um, you know, the, the one that 20 stages, I, I, that's, I wanted it to look like a combination of some of my favorite records. Cause I believe that's the first vinyl that we ever did. So I wanted the whole format, like to, to be like, like the back was supposed to be, was like reminiscent of the let it be. And the mm -hmm. front was a little reminiscent of the Pink Floyd stuff and, uh, you know, the wall. And, the wall. and um, so just my favorite cover, though, that that I the light bulb moment in of all of them is lighter in the dark. I, nice. I, I love how that turned out. That just speaks to me artistically. So I have a little background in it. I was like I said, I was in architecture, architectural design, and I was really big on the on the. Um, and the, the visual aspect. I mean, I, I would definitely have needed an engineer to build my buildings because well, you don't want well, Eamon to do it. Great, but <laughs> there's, an there's, there's an engineer in this podcast right now, Mr. Sure, Eamon. Sure is. <laughs> not structural, though. I took those. I took some of those classes and uh, not a fan. So, yeah, they don't make I, it. They, they don't make those classes out to be, you know, as elegant as, you know, putting a bridge together. No, I was in a structural uh, engineering physics um, class, and I remember struggling, and it happened to be right around the time Hazel was breaking, and that was kind of like the, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to take a sabbatical, I'm going to go for this music thing, I can always come back, and <laughs> but that was a, a backbreaker, yeah, I remember that. Jet, we want to thank you so much for swinging by for our mm -hmm. uh, our Christmas special, and um, this is part of a two part series. So we would encourage the listeners to to tune into the next episode, which will be our our sail away episode, taking us to to rock boat, and we're gonna talk to Jet about all things rock boat and his hand uh, in that. And um, Jet, thanks again so much, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Happy holidays, man. Thanks, you too.